0: Welcome to your Daily Game Face. I'm Dr. Kim Lannan here with Rocky. And I just said, don't yell at me to <laughs> look. I know. I don't know if anyone caught the entry to that. I don't know either. Don't yell at me.
1: I'm not yelling at you. You were
0: saying, here we go. Here we go. Well, I was trying to deal with the fact that I have Rocky with us. The famous yes. Rocky.
1: You look distracted.
0: Hopefully he won't pee on the equipment. Oh, he's stepping on the keyboard.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Look at, there's Rocky, everyone. There's Rocky. He's here with his little sweater on for t- oh, today. You
1: got to put his little hood up. You what if you're going to show him you got to put his little hood up, right?
0: Oh, won't well, I watch this if this is awful. When I put his hood up, watch what happens. First of all, I might poke him in the eye, but ready? First of all, his name should be Gizmo. Oh, I can't get it over. This is like such I've a I made hamburgers of time. Is bigger than okay, that dog. Okay, now my okay, ready? Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> can't see. Little tongue is out. Isn't that funny? Yep.
0: Okay. Okay. He's like, okay, enough of that. Making a <laughs> spectacle of me and embarrassing me with all the cute little jackets. Okay. Hi, Lou. Hello. Yelling at me this morning. Not yelling Wait. at you. Um, So I'm on time today.
1: I just didn't want you to be caught when we go live. You what? I didn't want you to be caught when we go live doing something like telling me I'm yelling at you. Something like that.
0: Well, you were yelling at yeah. me okay i'm used to it it's normal and inattentiveness that's the other normal piece in my life yeah, I, um, we I call it multitasking here i was not you were no you don't multitask yeah you are one attentiveness at a time you say you multitask but no but anyway so here's the deal
1: mm-hmm.
0: i have several things to hopefully stay on topic with about today but i was going to start out with the fact that this morning i texted you at like 6 45 or 7 o'clock saying i may be late this morning because i have a dentist appointment. And I get to the dentist appointment and now here's the weirdest thing. And it all makes sense now. Okay. (laughs) I get to the dentist appointment, the doctor standing there who I know really well forever, my dental hygienist who I love, Mm -hmm. then they leave the front office and go do their thing. And I'm like, okay. And then they're like at the front desk, who are you? I of course say who I am. And long story short, They have me not today. They have me in the end of March. Then they are like giving me a hard time about the fact that there's no way I could have made this appointment. Which yes, I can because I know I have the phone records. I know when they called me to confirm. I go through the whole thing. They go get the doctor, right? This this is like so typical, right? Mm -hmm. And and I, you know, I'm not perfect with my booking because occasionally I'll like do an overbook or a double book, and you know whatever. That's one thing. Sure. But this one takes the cake. So finally, we we get it down to, I'm like, listen, I called you guys. I confirmed. We got this. They called me back. Confirmed, oh, really? They, they <laughs> did the whole thing. We yeah. took my, make sure we confirmed my address. We made sure we confirmed my insurance because, you know, I hadn't been there since the pandemic. Yeah. Um. There's another Kimberly Landon.
1: Oh, no. Oh,
0: yes. Okay. But her name is spelled with an E-Y and an L-A-N-N-I-N. I won't give out her address, but they gave it to me. Yeah. They confirmed, and we have a totally different birth date, obviously, but they were insistent that that was me. And I'm like, this is not me. But it would explain that when the pandemic started, they had an appointment, air, air quoting, an appointment for me that they called me and canceled and said that I had made another appointment. And then they was not a no show and that they wanted me to pay them the fee. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, and I oh never God.
0: had that appointment. Well, they had intermingled somehow my, my account with this other woman's account. So all of my records and her records were smooshed together and there was no record of my appointment, nor really me. And it was just this other woman, but clearly my dentist has known me for 20 years. So that was my morning. So I missed my run this morning <laughs> because I went to a no nothing appointment, almost killed myself in the middle of the parking lot because it's so icy here today. Oh, and I almost slid here? underneath another car when I got out. I stepped out, and was like, "Ooh." Here? Yep. No. Oh. Okay. At the dentist appointment. Okay, yeah. It is very slippery here too. No. It but isn't. it's going to be fifty today, yeah. so it doesn't matter. It's all going to go away. But that was my plate this morning. Not that anyone really cares. But again, another another crisis averted in the day that didn't ruin my day. But I just had to laugh to myself of like.
1: So did you pay for the missed appointment? What? Did you pay for the missed appointment?
0: No, I refused okay. back okay, then because I right, told right. them it wasn't me. Yep. And they insisted. And I said, well, I don't know what to tell you, but it's not me. And it clearly wasn't. So it all came together today. Like the aha moment of, of course, it wasn't me because I don't make those kinds of mistakes. It's so, like I know when my appointments oh, are.
1: Oh, I was going to say, why didn't you meet the other Kimberly Landon? Because she all your contact information is you. They contacted you. They didn't contact her. She didn't even know she had an appointment.
0: Apparently. I Yeah. Apparently, yeah. Well, they have they have her. Somewhat, i'm in act i was inactive i don't know there was all these things in the system they had my right phone number though because they called me but they had my wrong address but they had it in there's two computers sitting there it's so bizarre two computers two women they both looked me up one had me in one computer as the right thing but with the wrong one something then the other one had me as this other woman but they have a shared computer that talks to itself wow (laughs) i'm like you guys might want to then they had me on a paper record, and they pulled that out, and that was the other woman with my stuff in it.
1: Might want to. So run if I sink. ever got yeah.
0: murdered in the bayou, <laughs> and they had to do <laughs> dental records, it would be that other really <laughs> 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 <I'm- laughs>
1: Okay, I love where your mind goes. <laughs>
0: well, I watch a lot of Snapped and Dateline and Twenty Twenty and You're tr- files. Are you a true crime person? Hmm?
1: Are you a true crime girl?
0: I love watching, like you know, a Florida man. Yeah. That's actually a new show oh yeah the florida man murders it's like you know because it's funny i mean not it's you know not making fun of people getting murdered obviously but it's always you know a florida man because it always starts like that it's like a florida man when my son last sunday doing, murdered his whole family
1: when my son was doing college radio he had a segment a florida florida man yeah a florida man segment well a, there's yeah.
0: so i have i have a um a wonderful client slash i'd say she's a, a life coach client slash friend <sighs> in florida that I got her turned on to a Florida man a couple of weeks or maybe a month or so ago. And so she went on a bench. Oh god. Because that was her thing. She's like a Florida man. Yeah. And so I said, Did you see the show? And it's good. It's like all these people. It's because people, as as my husband would say in the phenomenon, because he used to live in Florida, it's because everybody comes from all over the country down there to try to hide.
1: Oh no, no. <laughs> no. The Florida natives are just weird. It's all it's not us going there do
0: not okay don't pick on florida people now because <laughs> then i'll get feedback on that and i'm not saying anything about I'm, florida people
1: i'm sorry even florida people won't deny it uh,
0: well i don't know i'm not gonna go there i don't judge <laughs> at not <least on> there <laughs> you know i'm kidding yep. haha okay so anyway so that started my morning so it was very entertaining so how was your weekend by the way when it was negative 30 here what is it? Yeah. Negative negative well, 30 degrees here all i, I don't know, know if work, anybody so. else good morning kathy hi um yelling already <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it was negative 30 here this this weekend it was um oh yes the murdoch murder trial this week yes it's gotten a little boring i have to say
1: oh is there a live trial because
0: going on? Yeah. Be, well yeah because they they're talking all about his financials now and it's like okay he murdered them i mean blah 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 he did and now they're talking about all these financial crimes that he's and i don't know she's she's probably watched all of it i'm just getting bits and pieces throughout the day you know through work but anyway but it's a very interesting thing because he's all about that he didn't do it you know what i'm talking about right vaguely you don't know this murder trial so the famous Murdoch, you know, that he's like wealthy and whatever. And he killed his, well, allegedly. That's Kathy's favorite word. Allegedly. I love when she says that. Um, he killed his wife and his son um, in cold blood. I don't. I think they were in there. Well, she would be able to tell us. Not but the I think they were in their, in their barn or something one night. Not, not just, the
1: pyramid scheme guy, right? Huh? Not the pyramid scheme guy, right?
0: No, not Rupert. Okay. This is a different guy. But this yeah. is a money man. I don't know if they're related. I don't think, no, because different yeah. spelling.
1: Okay.
0: I know Kathy, if Kathy's still listening, she can put up a little quick summary of what happened. <laughs> but um it's quite something. It's gotten just a little boring though this week, just because, you know. Um by the way, Rocky is falling off the table because he's sleeping and leaning into me. Oh. Oh wait. She said killed in dog kennels. Okay. So see, I thought it was on a farm. So see, okay. she knows she's got it. Um
1: murdered people in dog kennels?
0: well well his son and wife were in the dog kennels with the dogs like it was like a paddock that they owned or something i don't know and he he's trying to say he wasn't there but they have him on audio record like they have him recorded it was his voice and people are like left and right saying it's absolutely him and Mm -hmm. he was there so and so yeah dog kennels outside the house see she's got it
1: (laughs) (laughs) our correspondent
0: she's gonna update us i think so i think given what i've heard I think he did it. Kathy, do you think he did it? How can you can't
1: cast a verdict yet? You got to go through the whole trial.
0: I don't need the whole trial to know. I got it.
1: Good thing you're not on the jury.
0: Uh, That's why. See, she said yes.
1: (laughs) She's not getting a fair trial here.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, good thing I'm not on the jury because I'd be suspended.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: They never pick me for juries because of what I do for a living. Did you know that?
1: No, that's an automatic DQ.
0: Well, um. She, okay, there, here we go. there we go. And what about the housekeeper? <laughs> I love it. Um, uh, would you just ask me, I got sidetracked with Kat, the other Kathy's comment.
1: I do. And what about the housekeeper?
0: Yes. Yep. She's, I think she's referring to watching and, and the housekeeper does it. I think, I don't know. Oh, maybe, I don't know. Okay. She'll explain. Um, See, she doesn't he Kathy says she doesn't deserve a fair trial. Here we go. Come on. Kathy. Now we're going to get into it, right? So that's this not just, where I was going today with the show, but it's this it's is so well, it's so interesting. Well, because he it's one of those things that yes, allegedly he may or may not have done it, but it, the the circumstantial evidence coming into the case just before you even go into the into the jury box is like argh. this is why I would never make a good juror for like things like this because one Not because I judge, it's just I know human nature. So when I have like a certain amount of facts in front of me, I automatically can put it together in my head and pretty much can go with, yeah, I'm going to have a reasonable non-doubt that you did it. Or, you know, and I also can watch like some of these shows and be like, yeah, I can tell by watching like the front part of it being like this person isn't the one that did it. Yeah. Because you kind of get a sense. I mean, pretty much lots of people can do that. But nonetheless, um, see, and he has other cover-ups of deaths. See, I got good people here talking about this stuff. All righty. Well, that's
1: not. We're not talking about this particular case. We're talking about whether due process is, should be done, and due process should be done. Well, so, due process should him. be
0: done. But we were talking about this case that yeah. I think that he's probably guilty, and Kathy does too, and the other Kathy does. <laughs> yeah.
1: So many people think and, he's
0: he's yeah. guilty. Yep. He's going to be found guilty. It'll yep. be unlikely that he's not found guilty. I mean, the evidence is in is not in his favor anyway okay so moving along
1: <laughs> um how to spot a murderer you what how to spot a murderer
0: how to spot a murderer yeah well there's that well so that's a good i should do a profiling thing on forensic psychology but that's not my focus today yeah. my focus today was on several things first of all my first focus was on have you seen the commercials and the reason why this is coming up is because lots of people have been coming in, like over the new, you know, New Year coming in and talking about, like they, you know, they've decided that, you know, they want to get off their medication or they want to switch providers or they want to do these things or whatever, right? Were um, they having a hard time getting a new provider because they want to leave the one that they had because they were on too much, right? So the big push is that we've gone from about a, I want to say maybe a thirty-five percent, don't quote me on that, to around sixty percent increase. And now we're at 60% of usage of, of mental health apps for getting prescription. So like cerebral is one and you'll see a lot of hers. Now it's called hers and you can go online and you can set up a really quick appointment, get online and get anything, You can mm-hmm. get any prescription you want and you meet virtually with a doctor or whoever you're meeting with, it's licensed and all that stuff. So now interesting. Cause I follow this a lot because especially during the pandemic, this is where a lot of things popped up. Now there's apparently, and I didn't know this until the past two weeks because I've done some research on it, 20,000 apps. And I think that was the number 20,000 different apps that deal with mental health or mental health prescriptions, which is just blows my mind. I only know like four or five of them. And then I did the search on it. I mean, there's a lot out there. so, so, I think that again, going back to like the consumer usage, that if you know people need to have a provider, they're looking for someone either a psychologist, a psychiatrist, someone to provide medication, or they're looking for even primary cares, right? This is this is interesting because if you don't utilize um, good consumer advocacy skills and you just are looking, I mean, this is perfect for people who are looking for the drugs. Like yep. if you're looking for controlled substances, like Adderall, Ritalin, um, you know, you name it like Suboxone, yep. I, there's, you can get that really easily. And so I think that they don't make, you know, I've seen these sites, I've seen patients that go on them, I've had telehealth like combined combination things with other people. Like they'll be in my office and they'll call their provider while they're sitting there with me and we talk to together. Um, and my experience anecdotally has been that when I've talked to psychiatrists specifically, or nurse practitioners, psychiatrist, or psych- psychiatric nurse practitioners, they have not, they, they haven't spent any time talking to the patient, even less time than you would if you were in person. So I find that to be um, a, a problem. Because when you're putting in a chemical in your body that you're getting, that's going to mind alter you in such a way that's different than caffeine or sugar, but although they're mind altering and you're putting those things in and you don't have a provider who really has a good sense of you and you're doing it, you're doing it online. That changes the dynamic first and foremost. And it really changes a lot because you're not spending a lot of time with the person. And I I know there's been a, a few reports about how much time has dropped In how much time you spend with someone when you're doing an online visit, even though it's a 30 minute visit or it's a 45 minute visit. But some of these sites, you can pick how long you want to meet. And so, you know, when you go to a psychiatrist's office, oftentimes it's five or 10 minutes and they bill you $380 and you get your prescription and walk out the door. Okay. But that's, that's also not a good thing because you don't get to know the person. My, my take on the new apps, especially the Cerebral, by the way, got in trouble. And so if people go to Cerebral, it's one of the one, it used to be one of the top ones before hers and a couple others came out that are, you see on TV all the time. Cerebral got in trouble because they were doing an abundance of Adderall and Ritalin and like um, g- methylphenidate, the generic um, ADD drugs for people in general, and didn't have enough information and were over-prescribing and got wrist slapped a couple years ago for it. I don't know exactly what happened after that, but I know, I think they're still on but they've cut back and they came out i think last year and said that they would not be they would be suspending all those prescriptions for new patients but they would continue doing it for their other patients that they have already been doing it um so here's where it comes in is that like if you don't have if you don't have several visits with someone first as a psychiatrist and you aren't getting a full history of a person while you're doing these telehealth appointments in virtual that's the first problem because yeah. you're, if the person's just online and says to you, I would like this prescription and this is what I have and, and blah, 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 which is what a lot of my patients tell me. They just go on they talk to them for five or 10 minutes. They've never met them before. And the person prescribes for them. Um, that's a huge red flag to me. Yeah. And it's kind of scary. Now, I don't know if everyone has that experience, but that's just, you know, and it's being reported on line and articles that are reputable, that that's one of the downsides of it, that you, you get that um, unfortunate piece to it, that people are just like easily able to get access. And it's not, it doesn't have the federal regulations around it that even though you have to be obviously a licensed provider and you have to have like DEA background to do the, you know, the, um, the narcotic prescriptions and so on and so forth, you don't, have the same standard of care, it seems. And so I just wanna caution people that you you really need to actively, I know if people are, are, are drug seeking, they're not gonna do this, but you really have to actively go into a conversation and say, I, I want you to know me first before you prescribe this. I don't know if I really wanna be on medication or if I wanna have something else or if I wanna talk about you know what is the best option. I'm very much about if you can find a naturopath so there's medical doctors who are naturopaths who will prescribe only if necessary, kind of like me, but I'm not a medical doctor, right? They'll prescribe, but they'll prescribe holistically first and do less is more, which, you know, all my colleagues that I work with for the most part, except for one, that's the way they prescribe because, and that's what fits in the model that I believe in. Um, So you want to be sure that you find a good match, not just someone that is going to just give you whatever you want because, I mean, the diagnostics for things like major depression and severe anxiety and PTSD and ADD and um, bipolar disorder and things like that, those medications are heavy hitters for those things. And people, you know, I mean, I have patients that I that come in and they're on 10 different medications and they should be on two or one. And we end up working backwards or finding a new psychiatrist or a new person that a lot of times... Primary cares are the ones that are giving the medication, so they'll be providing that and having the conversation with the primary care, or the psychiatrist, about did you realize this person's like you know I call it floor licking? They're licking the floor every day because they're taking X, Y, and Z at night. They're taking these four in the morning. They're and they can't function. But we're treating something that has a symptom that has a, a side effect that has another symptom that you're treating for. So maybe we should take it all down. So you don't have the specialized, at least in my experience so far, you don't have the specialized treatment, um, with these sites now hers. And I have a couple of people that have used hers. Um, they have, uh, access to your provider supposedly like anytime you want. So if you have a question, if you have a concern, you're able to go into the portal and ask and they call you back and all those things. I don't know if how I don't know if that's actually happening. Did you see him? He's licking me? No, 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 no. Um, I don't know if that's actually happening, but I would again suggest that you know you, you want to find if you're going to use an online tool like that, you want to have a couple meetings first with the person before they just willy-nilly give you something. You want to make sure that you feel like it's a match, which is hard because online,. Yep. I mean, I do virtual appointments online, telehealthy, and it's it's unless I know the person in person first for a little bit of time, those are really hard, especially initial meet and greets, because you don't get a full experience of the person and. The video camera can hide a lot of what's going on. So you can still read the person, but you can't really read the person right. as well. Um, so you have, it's a little bit harder in terms of the work. And I think that when you're drug, when you're drug seeking, and if you have like addiction or you have other issues like that, or you're a college student looking for, you know, an extra bump in your step, but you, you know what to say to get what you need, you don't have the same breadth of ability to read that situation if you're not in person, right. And I understand that it's it's way more convenient to have virtual and telehealth appointments. Absolutely, but it's also that there's a big downside to that. So so having those first two things, and then being you know being a good consumer to have a good ability to reach out and ask for assistance from them if you feel like it's you know you know in, I guess within the normal limits, that's what people are going to do. But it's more about the people that are. It's it's probably not your most ultimate website for people that are drug seeking or people that want just what they want when they want it. So it's a concern because we've gone up to about 60% in this country of yeah. using these. Um, and I get why, but I just think it's a cautionary tale about, you know, self-care can run amok because then you've got, you know, you still got one provider cause you can always have one provider, but you don't have, you don't have someone that's like right there on top of it and saying like, Hey, um, what's going on here. And you don't have a diagnostic and assessment piece that you would get normally if you saw like a psychologist who was tag teaming you with the psychiatrist saying like, okay, what's going on? Can someone take and do testing on this person to make sure that we have bipolar disorder, we have PTSD.
1: <clears throat>
0: bipolar disorder is is not, it, I wouldn't say it's a really easy, easy diagnosis to make because it overlaps with so many other things. So I'm always very hard pressed to just diagnose someone with bipolar because so many people use it in a misused way in terms of the yeah. terminology that people come in that are, on, um, you know, civilians, lay people will always call it like, I'm manic depressive. Well, we don't, first of all, we don't use that terminology anymore. Where um, people say the person's so schizophrenic or the person's so, you know, it's just colloquial terminology yeah. and they'll come in and they'll say, well, it's because I, I feel good one minute and I feel bad another. That's
1: Welcome to life. That, yeah. That's not
0: by Buller, yeah. <laughs> but people, but people think it's because oh, you know, they well, that's kind of a normal day. You know, half your day you might feel really great, and then half your day you might not feel so good. um You know, you're not supposed to be happy all the time. You see him licking the I Hear him? Yeah. Is he gonna electrocute himself? So I had a wide range of
1: emotions when going through this. Now, normally, you have a wide range of emotions. I had a wide range of reactions. Going, oh, okay. Going through this story, and there's one I want to get to at the end that I think is really important, but. The normal procedure here is you go to a psychologist, and I don't know what your prescription capabilities are, but you go to a psychologist and then you get to the point where it's like, well, maybe we should look into medication and the medication is done by a psychiatrist. Right. And i that's a very brief interaction with the psychiatrist, if right. at all. Right. And I'm guessing it's because they're in contact with the psychologist and there's, Typically. there's stuff going back and forth. So Typically. I mean, not, that's
0: my experience.
1: He's not working on the five minutes of interaction that he has with you while he's doing the prescription. Right, but if
0: well, if the person has a, psychi- a psychologist, a lot of times people don't have the psychologist. They go right to the psychiatrist because they don't want to have a person to talk to. They just want the medication. But m- my experience is that people come to me, get diagnosed or assessed first, and then ask me what the, I think, or they come to me after they've already gotten the medication and then ask me what I think, and then we change everything. Because
1: and I think I know the answer to this, but there is there is a database of what a particular patient is doing with interactions of drugs and things like that, but they're not checking this, are they? I mean, they they take your history. Are you talking about
0: the doctors themselves?
1: The people who do the prescription on these drugs, they're taking your word for what you're taking at the time, right? Um, They're not vetting it.
0: So, so yes and no. Yeah. I would say that there's a large portion of clinicians and pharmacists that are checking. And then I would say that there are more that are not. Um, the, the pharmacies, back when Suboxone, and you're familiar with that, so Suboxone yeah. is, you know, like methadone, and it's not like, okay, so Suboxone is a synthetic heroin that's made to help people be mm-hmm. in recovery, but obviously it's a re-addiction to something else. When someone gets clean, they just put them back on something else, and then they're off to the races with this. So... So when Suboxone, and I'm using that as an example because the DEA came down really hard on the usage of Subutex and Suboxone and medical doctors who are providing it because there was so much um, non-going to psychologists, non-going to people who worked in addiction, non-going, you know, yep. n- not doing the work, just looking for a quick fix to to help them get through the day because now they consider it, you know, medically assisted treatment, (MAT).
1: It bypassed detox it's, it's, and the drug sickness. Right, right. And, it's, yeah. and it's
0: and and it's it's technically considered harm reduction.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, <laughs> it's 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 kind of, you know, an oxymoron.
1: Atomics exchange <laughs> is I mean, what it is. It's, or, you're or, just
0: replacing yeah. one for yeah. another because, you know, and a lot of clients will say, and I'm very upfront, as you know, a lot of clients will say, well, I'm clean. No, you're not. Yeah. You're not clean. If you're taking an SSRI, that's not the same thing. If you're taking something addictive, So if you're taking Welbutrin, that's not the same thing as taking Suboxone or, or methadone or Subutex or, um, you know, a variety of other things that are out there that are addictive. When you're trying to come off of alcohol, you're trying to come off of, um, uh, opiates, you know, Percocet, Vicodin, Oxys, um, you're trying to, you know, anything in the benzos and you're using those, those particular medications people use the excuse, well, I'm prescribed it. So it's legal. So it's okay. So I'm not in addiction anymore. Yeah. Right.
1: A doctor signed off on
0: this. Right. The doctor signed off on it. So it's okay. But that's, that's, um, unfortunately I find that that becomes, although it's now listed under the MAT and the, in the harm reduction model, it actually leads to people justifying the behavior of still doing the same thing, but just getting it like, you know, you get the pat on the back saying it's okay and then the work that has to be done to fix the underlying problem mm-hmm. of where they got to this issue in the first place of why they're using or why they're still relying on something like this never really gets addressed because why bother you don't have to right. because i'm i'm getting the pass to do this anyway um, so that so that's a danger for like you know these online sites is that people go right directly to them to ask for things like that and i and that's why cerebro got in trouble for Adderall and um, Vyvanse and Concerta and Ritalin. And they were pre- over-prescribing in, in the minds of the APA, the American Psych Association, because they were over-prescribing this. And there were lots of complaints coming in that it was just so easy. So I think there's been a little bit of a crackdown on it, but this is where people go because it's another way to bypass the system and get what you need, even if you don't have the diagnostic or the assessment. And for me, like I take forever not because it's on purpose, but I want to know someone really well. I want to make sure I make the right assessment and diagnosis on those particular types of things before I say, yep, that's what it is, especially in kids. And kids are notoriously put on these medications, not Suboxone. So, but the ADD meds. You you brought me,
1: you brought me to my next point because you were talking about drug seekers using this. And I put in the category of drug seekers, you've got a parent who's dealing with a kid who's a little bit overactive or maybe struggling at school and they read in an article somewhere while going through their phone that Adderall can help right? or Ritalin can help. And it, as we've talked about before, that should be an absolute last resort and there should be a process you go through before you make that decision. Exactly. P- put your child on these medicines and being able to get them that directly, you know, doesn't seem like a great idea. So, so this is happening for kids as well. They're prescribing these types of drugs for kids. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes, and and that's and so that's and that's the concern because, you know, on one hand, by the way, I'm just saying hello and good morning to you back in Louisiana, Claire. Thank you for joining us this morning. Um, I think that kids are. This this is the so it's twofold. Kids are often instantly gratified because parents don't want you know we're in the generation often that we've talked about that they're. Oh, let's just get it fixed and move on. And also when you have the telehealth thing and you have all that stuff, again, it goes back to, you can't really read. You cannot read. You can't read the room on ADD symptoms for a kid sitting in a chair with you for 30 minutes. I mean, unless they're bouncing off the walls, but you know, I've also had people that, (laughs) is terrible right but i've had clients tell me that they've told their kids to act more more hyper when they go in and do things i have no doubt and i'm like you can't do that because you're putting your kid on medication that's going to change their brain development and that's all of a sudden like oh i didn't know that but there should be a whole procedure changing their hormonal balance it's changing their puberty rate it's changing all kinds of things what are you talking about but people don't realize that because because it goes back to unfortunately that was the last piece of the um thing I was going to warn people about when you're doing an online doctor, when it has to do with prescriptions, you have to, you should really vet the doctors to see if they have any pharmaceutical investments. Yeah, Because oftentimes back in the day when I first started in this, you know, I've told you before that we used to get wined and dined by the pharmaceutical companies. I won't name them. And they would come in on a weekly and we'd either get lunches or we'd be taken down to Boston for like big conferences and like shown like the next best, greatest thing. That's how, that's how we got introduced at the hospital I worked at to Oxy's, you know, and that was going to be the next pain reliever and all this stuff right when it started yeah. out. Right. Now they don't do that the same way as they used to. They don't come in and incentivize like that because that got them in a lot of trouble um, with that. And that changed the, the practice. But unfortunately, Unfortunately, there's still doctors who, you know, you, they still get samples, they still get the stuff. So there's, and, and there are the warnings that are out now, which surprises me that that still has to happen that, you know, vet your doctor to find out if you really are concerned about that, whether or not they are, are in, in some kind of investment, or they're getting some kind of kickback from the pharmaceutical company that they're providing prescriptions left and right for. So whoever prescribes your Adderall or your generic or your, or your, you know, concerta, methylphenidate in general because methylphenidate is the generic of Ritalin, you know, and lots of companies now provide that. So you have to just find out if that's going on out there because you have to be a good consumer. And I just think for the advent of the pandemic that brought forward all this virtual health and telehealth, love it. It works great, especially it's convenient and it certainly is convenient, but it also brings this other side that goes into the whole instant gratification thing and getting it quick and easy and and kind of done with you don't have to drive you don't have to um, set aside extra time you don't have to it, it's right there at your yep. hands and they have tons of people providing all over the country to do it so it's a little bit um it's a little bit concerning because we've gone up so high on the telehealth use to 60 roughly 60 percent, and these sites aren't necessarily monitored in the way that like a in-person doctor would be or so on and so forth so i'm just saying people should be really good consumers of that not to beat the, not to beat that point.
1: I think with kids though, sometimes the motivation's off. I mean, because sometimes
0: the motivation what?
1: Sometimes the motivation is off. In other words, there's a preferred answer here. And the preferred answer is my child has something that can be pharmaceutically fixed. It's not me. I didn't do it, or I'm not, it's not that I'm not putting enough effort into this. It's not that I've explored haven't explored the other options. It's that he's got something. What am I gonna do? This I'm being a good parent by fixing him with this drug. And again, that should be a last resort, and it should, right. be, should be a dozen trials of other ways to approach this before you get to the point where you're medicating Well, especially kid.
0: with kids, I always start with behavioral modification always, you know, working yeah. heavily. But that takes effort and time. And yeah. and as I've said many times on the show over the years, um, this, this generation and the previous generation, and even sort of the, I think sort of some of my generation, our generation, has a little bit of that, like, just get it fixed, and then we don't have to deal with it and move forward. You know, and it's gotten generationally, I think, worse. And not to blame generations, but it's just more like, well, there's medication, so we just fix it that way, instead of looking at it like, wait a second, there's so many environmental factors, and there's so many other p- genetics, and there's so many social issues, and so many this and so many that. Going into what's happening, why not have this change now? But you know, you're you create something at seven and eight and ten years old. You got a serious problem when you've got a 25 year old who's stuck in it, and kids often um, kids often manifest some of their issues coming into like their teenage years and become more personality disordered because they're, you know, if you have like sometimes when, um, say you have a kid at home and they've been not neglected in terms of food and shelter and all those things, but they've been told like, no, you don't feel that way. No, you don't have, no, you're not hungry. Hmm. No, you don't need more of that. No, you, you know, no, you're not anxious, right. That, that leads, that can lead to a personality disorder, especially like borderline personality disorder because it's a trauma to the emotional system. And if you have that already around you, um, and, and some of the personality stuff, you can't medicate that.
1: Right.
0: You know, and, and, you know, and I certainly know, kids in my practice that have had that and you think because you often, you know, think of personality disorders coming from like, you know, typically we think of especially borderline personality disorder, like women who've been sexually abused as children, men who've been sexually abused, um, severe neglect that you would just be able, you know, locked in the clauses. but it's not, it doesn't have to be any of that. It can be like some of those basic accumulations of like just being invalidated a lot and then not feeling a good sense of self and then having that. And then people want to, the the child's agitated and angry or the teenagers agitated and angry and has reactions and has that pathological um, um, reactive disorder kind of thing that we, it's not, it's a disorder that we don't acknowledge specifically here in the U S but other countries do. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's like when you put a demand on a, kid they will react poorly and they'll emotionally dysregulate and then it will become pathological and they'll do things like you know they'll be deceitful lie be angry like lash out do self-harming things they'll over in the self-harming can be overeating throwing up doing all kinds of other things you can't medicate that and parents often will just be like well, there's, you know, their, their mood, their mood is off. So we have to get a mood regulator. And it's like, okay. So then they go and tell the doctor, they call the telehealth person and say their mood is off. So we need the regulator and they put them on it and it regulates, you know, a small little bit, but they still have the same behaviors going on. Why? Because the behavior behavioral modification isn't there to have someone being able to say like, let's really look at, do you feel invalidated and how can we have that better? And, but by the time you get to teenagers and someone's had all that stuff going on, it's, yeah. there's usually so much resentment in the kid and there's so much other stuff going on that it's really hard to break through that if they haven't had early on, as you always say, you can't fix a 16-year-old problem that started at four at 20, No. <laughs> right? <clears throat> it's, so it's, it's really hard. And um, it's unfortunate that people really look to medication to fix those things. And it's not going to fix that. I
1: think what's come along with that too, is we've gotten to the point where we're very Anxious to categorize kids and problems because that's what we do pharmaceutically. That's the pharmaceutical response. So while a kid may not be borderline, there are there's a billion range spots in between healthy and borderline, right? That can't be di- diagnosed as borderline, shouldn't be treated as borderline, but is it called that because that's the pharmaceutical way to go about it.
0: Right, yeah. exactly. And and if and I think if pharmaceutical companies could make some specialized named thing for personality disorders they
1: want well Did some... you
0: hear, i mean you just can't like can you imagine how many people would get good medication for narcissism well, yeah. and that's in narcissism and i i laugh but narcissism everybody has it we all do i do you do it's yeah. the, it's the little injuries that have happened to us over the years that have that have hit our ego that make us defensive that make us not realistic sometimes you know, and then you have full-blown narcissists that, you know, like they're over the top and you can't, you know, like, nor- like the normal within normal limits, narcissism is is just like when people get insecure or they feel ashamed of something, that's a narcissistic response. Well, we all have those, but when you have severe, yeah. no medication is going to touch that.
1: Some would argue that's, you just described ADD in, in that some people feel that AD, well, no, no, I'm, no, I'm, no one was ADD when I was young. Right. Right. That, that's the argument you get a lot. Of. Plus um, the designation of ADD. There are a lot of overanxious or young kids who are just young and active. Right. That we label as ADD because there's a pharmacol- pharmacological pharmaceutical um, solution for that. So we just call it that. And it's not the kids just he's a little he's a little hyper, you know.
0: Well, and that's, and so that's the thing is like when people bring kids to me or the school has said, you know, you should have your, your kid go to see a psychologist or they need to get evaluated, blah, blah, blah. Cause they, cause schools have to be very careful legally. They can't say that your child needs medication, please medicate them. They have to be very careful. <laughs> yeah. I love it when they actually directly tell them, cause I'm always like, oh, they just broke the law. Um, <laughs> but because um, they can't force that on someone, but parents because often will go right to me and yeah. be like, okay, so my kid needs medication. I'm like, uh, uh-uh. I'm yeah. like. What's going on? It's usually that what you just described. It's, well, you know, they don't like to sit still. They're, they're done first. They're fidgety. They're this and that. And so, you know, and some people would say, well, they're bored, um, right? Because they're smart and they're gifted and all those things and, and, or they're learning disabled or they have a delay or something like that but people are just labeling right away is like wait a second let's not look at the whole let's just look at the beha- they look at the behavior and it's very old school not a lot has changed in the school systems about this that it's like well the other 14 kids aren't acting that way this kid is so he's or she has the problem and yeah. they're disrupting the other and therefore we're going to label it as add and get it medicated instead of looking at like what's going on in the classroom you know, you know, are you sitting the kid next to another kid that's talking to them and that might be distracting to them? Are they more social and therefore they shouldn't be sitting next to kids that are social, like really looking at, but people won't take the time to really step it back and look at that. And then you get this kid labeled over and over again and then get earmarked. And unfortunately that's, you know, when I was coming up through school, it happened all the time and I see it still happening. And it's been years that, um, kids get, uh, you know, scapegoated into year after year, once they hit the label from one teacher, you know, teachers go into the teacher's room, unfortunately, and they talk and they say, oh, you're going to get Billy next year or you're going to get Bobby or Susie. And then they're coming and by the way, here it comes. And now you've set the kid up for failure instead of looking at it, like, well, what are we missing? And, you know, instead of being punishing and consequential to the child, why, why aren't we rewarding really good behavior And ignoring unless it's violent or dangerous why aren't we ignoring like behaviors that are just typical within the norm and giving them like hey a a redirect like hey you know sue you need to sit down because we're doing this right now or you can't have your ear pod in or whatever it is why not
1: give them a chance to develop a skill set like yeah
0: to learn how to to redirect themselves learn you know instead of yelling at them or saying you need to go out and go to the principal kids love that Half the time that's a reward like i don't have to be sitting here i'll go talk to the principal like i have a couple kids that love talking to the principal they'd rather go sit with the principal for a couple hours and
1: your kid is anxious give him a chance to give them some tools to deal with the anxiety mm-hmm. a little bit instead of just medicating it away right because that 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 doesn't solve the problem that doesn't solve the root problem
0: well and one of the things that i see and this happens with adults too is and i see this so much in like young teenagers you know that they're, by the time I get to that point, they're also in that mindset of they don't want to do the work Right. that they're bought into. I could just get a medication. I want to fix it yeah. and feel good because they're, and I always say, well, it's because the underlying thing is making them so unhappy, uncomfortable, anxious, whatever, that they just want to medicate it. And they know that they've heard it will medicate it. Yep. And therefore then they don't have to do work. Um, you know, but you, that's not a good idea because you're just setting, goes back to you're setting up for addiction. Now, I'm not talking about with mood regulators like Wellbutrin and Paxil and Prozac and Zoloft, which are kind of your standard just mood regulators for serotonin. But there's something to be said for treating your body like a car. You know, the metaphor of if you leave your car sedentary and you leave it sitting and you don't do a lot of, you know, you don't give it rest time and you don't give it good fuel mm-hmm. and you don't give it, you know, good maintenance and you don't give it movement exercise right and you don't move it what happens it gets it gets choked it the battery dies it starts to rust it falls apart and eventually it dies even if it's a brand new car and sits on a lot for 10 years it's going to be no not worth anything because it doesn't do anything right so it's kind of the same metaphor as we're talking to roll into all this is you have to really take care of like the system and the whole overall thing not just like oh we'll medicate this thing because what about the rest of the car? Your body is a car. Like, so now what do we do? So are we eating right? Are we exercising? Are we getting good sleep? Are we maintaining all the all the system levels? Are we drinking water? Are, I, I, so, and that's part of the reason why I think kids and adults are often imbalanced. I mean, I, I've said this many times. I, at least two or three times a week now, maybe more have to do reviews with people on how much their water intake is because they'll come in and be like, i've had the worst headache for two days how much water have you had the answer is none yep they're <laughs> like okay
1: had pepsi but they haven't had water yeah
0: and i'm like okay we, your body can't do that it's needs it, your body's water and it can't do that so you, they're like but i'm drinking coffee coffee dehydrates you yeah so then i go through my whole spiel of you know, if you're 200 pounds, you need hundred ounces of water a day to refuel. And then I get that roll of the eyes and am like, oh my God, that's so much. I'm going to be peeing all day. Yeah. But eventually your body will get used to it. And if you can't hit hundred, I'd rather you get 30, get something. Um, or I get people say, I don't like water. <laughs> well, that's yeah. why they've made, you know, peach and raspberry and yeah. strawberry, you know, kiwi and whatever with, you know, just flavors in them without sugar. But it's, it's so important because If a person treats their body like a well-run, maintained car, kids and adults, they will behaviorally feel better and less likely to have the escalation in those behaviors. That doesn't mean they're going to be fixed necessarily or perfect because there's nothing like that. But it's going to definitely give you a better balance and understanding of where you're really at at a baseline rather than when you're coming in and you're like, oh, well, now, it's like an example, some will come in and say, well, I eat, I eat, I don't eat breakfast. I don't eat lunch. Then I come home and I have, you know, uh, two pieces of pizza, a slice of cheese, uh, a piece of toast. And then,
1: and I eat it in 30 minutes.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then, and then in a couple, you know, two hours yep. later, I have dinner and I have you know, pasta. And then I have chicken nuggets and I'm serious. No, I'm, I'm literally fine. coming up with this from someone I know in my practice. And, and, um and then, and then I have cookies and then above, you know, and I'm like, well, what do you, what do you drink? Oh, I have soda. Yeah. And not diet soda, which also isn't good, but you know, I have to say that cause I'm, mm-hmm. that's my little vice, but you know, like full calorie, 200, 300 calories per, now it's not about the calories, not being a fad. It's not being. A, it's about the fact that your body is now. It's like putting in shit gas yep. in your in your car. Then you go to sleep on that, and all that does is make your whole body unsettled. It makes your sleep disrupted. Even you know you might get up to go to the bathroom. You might be having a stomachache. You might have GERD. You might have all kinds of different things. Then you wake up and the next day you're exhausted, and then you say you don't know why. Yep. And do it all over again.
1: Lack of sleep and lack of water is often the first step to dysregulation.
0: It It, it is the yeah. first step. Lack yeah. of sleep and lack of water is the, is the step to dysregulation.
1: So you're starting your body off. You know, the systems are trying to catch up with all these problems that the lack of sleep and lack of water are giving right. them and there's all kinds of hormones being released which leads to all kinds of emotions that leads to total emotional dysregulation well i think physical dysregulation leads to emotional dysregulation and i wish
0: that the i know that lots of people and and i've and i've read the curriculum in a couple schools not tons but a couple schools that are local to my area where i I work with kids in them and they do wellness programs and there's one school that does a fantastic wellness program they do actually do teach this and i've actually talked to the teacher and she integrates a little bit more of what i tell her to integrate because it's good teaching but one of the things that's missed, um, a lot that I see in the actual protocols and they write it all up. So the teacher has a a guideline is that no one really teaches, no one teaches, I shouldn't say really, no one teaches anything about how water and sleep, for instance, either or, or both regulate your hormone cycle and how important that is for you as a teenager and how that regulates, the mood regulator, serotonin, because it, your pancreas creates, if you're under a lot of stress, like I know a kid that's under tons of stress, but it's not real stress. It's perceived stress. Mm-hmm. And she's got to be dumping more cortisol than probably I know of anybody. Right. But there's like a delusional system based around her stress. So she's probably dumping a ton, which makes her serotonin stressed out, which makes the dopamine, her pleasure neurotransmitter go down. Now she doesn't have to have a whole science lesson on it. But I think that she, if she understood better that if you drank water and you and you didn't stay up till two and three in the morning, and then not be able to get up for school, and you got up for school and you and you were able to have your regular sleep or at least better sleep and all those things, your body would start to regulate and you'd actually feel better and you wouldn't be seeking out medication and saying I'm yeah. anxious all the time. We're well, anxious all the time because it's like you're drinking. It's like people who drink, and then they go to bed on it. And then they get up the next morning, like six hours later, still have the alcohol, right? And they have like a little bit of shaking and they don't feel good and they go to work. And then as soon as they get home, they have another, it's the same pattern because the body isn't getting what it needs. And the cortisol that comes from the stress hormone that comes out of your pancreas, that's trying to make you feel okay. is so overpowering to your body that it's in dysregulation. And I think that wellness classes should teach that. And I don't think, my anecdotal experience is that they don't teach that enough specifically so that teenagers and adult grow into adults that really understand what is going on. And I don't think there's enough adults that have enough knowledge to know that their body works. They talk, the body parts talk to each other all the time. Cause I, I can't, I, I think maybe once in a great while in all the years I've been doing my job, I'll get someone who knows. And it's usually because someone's in the field of like either, personal training or their doctor or nurse. And I've had doctors and nurses sit in my office and don't know some of the stuff yeah. that I tell them about that. And, you know, cause they've stuck to their specialty. Like, you know, like, well, I'm a foot doctor. Okay. But you went to medical school. Well, kids <laughs> miss focus. It doesn't matter that you're just a foot doctor. You're, you should know these things.
1: Kids miss focus on this a lot because you hear a kid all the time. Say, if I don't eat, I'm going to be, I'm going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. And they understand that, but they started out the day with no water and no sleep. Right. And it's like, you start out, your, your body is in distressed mode just starting the day because it doesn't have enough water and it doesn't have enough sleep.
0: Right. And then, and you've got, and then I'm, I'm going to add into like, you have the the very high trend of all these um, power, you know, the power drinks that, yeah. you know, red, unfortunately red bull. Right. And they made sugar free, but now it's like, you know, the monster drinks and the C2 whatever and all. The, and the problem with those is there's no water in them teenagers get them in the morning, put them in their Starbucks. They've already, you know, they're loaded with caffeine Yeah. and then they guise them under like, they have, you know, thiamine, they have like theanine, they have created, they have all these things that they add into them to sell them as like, well, they're healthy for you minus the fact that they have so much (laughs) caffeine and that's dehydrating to you. And then, then, you know, some, I have, I have kids in my life and I also have them in, in patient mode that, They'll drink these things and then tell me they have a headache. Yeah. I'm like, right. You have a headache. They're like, yeah, but I've had a ton of drink today. I'm like, water. Oh no, I've had four Red Bulls. Yeah. Oh, well, you've had four Red Bulls be and you've had enough caffeine to knock over a horse. And so now you have a headache.
1: Yep.
0: And it's like, make those distinctions now or teach your kids that early to know that. But you know, I find that most adults that have kids that are doing that. Don't either know themselves or are modeling that they're doing the same thing in some fashion, and therefore it just carries over. So, if I a mean,
1: fifteen-year-old is drinking Red Bulls, that's a problem. A fifteen-year-old yep. shouldn't be drinking Red Bulls.
0: I, I, but I agree.
1: But we're at the point w- with all these things, and this is the pharmaceutical end of it. But we've talked about parenting being a generational problem. Now we've we've got parents who are raised with pharmaceutical solutions. We're generations right. into this now. Right. This is part mm-hmm. of. Who we are as a culture, right? This this quick fix solution. Let me ask you this, and I hate to put you on the spot, but but you will. I'm curious now because we started the conversation with a percentage. If you go to a typical middle school, how many kids are on pharmaceuticals?
0: A lot. If you want me to give you a percentage, I would. I would would say it depends. Majority. What?
1: A majority. I
0: would. I would not say majority. I would not say majority, but it's definitely higher from the pandemic time. Oh my God, it's gone up significantly. Yeah, I don't know the numbers. I could probably get them because I know that they have them. Um, cause during the pandemic, they were doing all the research on obesity and kids eating and all that stuff. So I know it's out there and I've seen little, little blurbs about it, but I would say it's definitely increased. And certainly in the past 15 years, I've seen a huge increase in most kids. I, I can't think of one person right now that I have as a, a young person between the ages of, oh, I can think of one, actually one, one of my patients that's a child all the way up through 18 years old that is in my practice that either they either came in on medication or they went on medication because somebody, you know, not me, but somebody else put them on it and, yeah just because. And usually when they've been put on it, I just say, mm, do we really need it? And we do the systems yes. analysis. But most of the kids I see, so that would be, a, you know, if, you, if that's a small little sampling, you've got a classroom, you've got a, I don't know, I'm going to take a, a shot in the dark. You got 30, 40% at least wow. on medication. Yeah. If not more.
1: And many of the, in many of these situations, I'm going to guess the vast majority of the situation's Process hasn't been followed with which this is the last resort. This is usually the first answer.
0: Right? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's not you know it's not the last resort for many people. They go right to it because they're told that this is what they need. Yeah. You know. And I, I, I'm I'm flabbergasted, even though I'm really not. But I am flabbergasted time and again when someone will come in and say, "I've been not just kids like this is just I've been diagnosed," and I'm like, "By who?" And they're like, "Oh, my primary care." primary primary cares aren't aren't able to diagnose in the same way that i am but they'll diagnose like major depressive disorder off of the what they call the you know you know that form that you fill out that's 20 questions that's called the beck depression inventory it is it is a face value and you know exactly what it's asking you to to you know so if you want to get medication just bubble in I feel terrible. I feel suicidal. I feel all these things. You've got a full blown diagnosis and you're going to get any of the heavy hitting medications. And the doctor's going to be like, okay, you really need to be on these things. Hmm. And, and then they'll say, and you should probably see a psychologist, or you should see someone in in the, you know, in mental health. And by the time they get to me and I actually do an assessment on them, no, they aren't even on the register of that. And, and why? Because I do testing that, doesn't show the face value for it being obvious of what I'm doing and I can figure it out. And it's like, no, that's not what's going on. Not in all cases, but in most. And it's, and it's, so that's one of the things going back to the the telehealth thing is, you know, you fill out, you fill out like forms before, and then yeah. the, the doctor reviews that and then that's you're off to the races. Um,
1: and it's, I love my GP. I'm not knocking GPs in general, but nothing severe like that should come from a visit with a GP. The next step should be seeing a specialist in whatever the issue is right. and, and getting a plan from there. Right. And well, that that's that's always... doesn't happen in five minutes in a GP's office.
0: And that's why I'm always floored by the fact that people will come in and have be put on old school, old school antidepressants or Zoloft and Prozac. So I can I can always guess and there, people think, I'm like, oh, how'd you know that? It's like, Cause your primary care gave it to you. Yeah. I'm like, where'd you get it? Oh, primary care. Right. Because they'll put you on Prozac and Zoloft and Prozac and Zoloft are, are so old school. They have so many side effects. They're not good for the majority of things given the better research on, on much better, lighter, easier on your system, less side effects drugs if you're going to go that way. And you really need someone who's going to work with you to know that um i do have a couple primary cares that are very open and willing and wonderful to listen to like they'll they'll will do a lot of good collaborative work together mm-hmm. um, and are willing to hear that and they'll go look it up on their own or you know but i still get many that are like you know they play god and they know and they don't want to be told by anybody especially someone without a medical degree um yeah and it's and i was i don't ever say it's for sure i was just say these are recommendations these are suggestions you should really look into them because i can't imagine i can't not imagine i can't tell you how many times i get people that don't know that any of other side effects to the medications they're taking they don't know how they interact with other things people who are never told don't eat grapefruit with this particular medication because this is Going to make it not work right, or it's going to hurt you. um And they just like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Why? Well, my doctor didn't tell me. But you blindly, yep, you blindly took it because you just think that it. it you blindly trust someone well, to give that to you. I don't want you to do that. First, you you're being offered ask. help.
1: You're being offered help. That's not your responsibility, so that's always good. Secondly, right. there's the authority of the doctor that you don't want to challenge. Plus, in a GP situation. They want you in and out in five and you feel that pressure. They don't want to sit. Th- well, I don't know. They'll sit there and have mine will sit there and have right. a conversation. You can have a conversation with them, but you can't do it in depth enough to really vet that you should be doing this course of action. Right. It just requires more. Right. S- especially, you know, this type of pharmaceutical reaction to mental health issues
0: right well and that's and that's the that's the downside that's why i use it as the brief example is like when you go in and you fill out the bubble sheet for your primary to do an assessment and that's i think it's great that they do that because they want to like at least see like where people are at and they're at least trying to address the mental health issue in the country but there's only usually two or two go-tos if the primary care is really you know they just go to those two drugs and then they just say here you go you have you have to be on this yeah. it's like how about sending them to a psychologist or a licensed mental health counselor or a social worker or or something else first before you jump on that and say you know because people just want something quick and and they won't go
1: no one and we're talking about this today no one including those people you talk to with the online pharmaceutical providers in five minutes can evaluate you properly for these it's it's not and that's, possible. And
0: that's why I said to you it's important to have that that um, couple visits with the person, find out if you can have it longer than five minutes. Can you follow up with that person? Are they attached to a pharmaceutical rep? Are they, you know, where's their push point? Cause some of them are, some of them aren't allowed to be on some of those sites in terms of like, they're not supposed to have those, but they do. So you have to really do, you know, do Google search. That's where I'd say do Google searches on like your docs to find out like, cause it will list like you know, who they use and you find out there, you know, not always, but you, you can, um, Hey, your friend asked about group therapy for kids in school. Um, so it's interesting, Bruce, that group therapy for kids in school is, is really, um, so it's there, in most schools, but it's there in the departments that are for the special ed kids. Typically it's there for the 504 plans, the special needs yeah. for emotional disorders. And then the IEP plans, um, for the academic skills, usually for the 504, which is the special, the special emotional needs kids, you know, mm-hmm. that have ADD or depression or anxiety or panic or social emotional disorder and all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. They do have group therapy. Um, but it's not always couches group therapy. They'll have like lunch bunch where they get kids together just to talk like with, you know, the counselor or the guidance counselor, which isn't quite the same thing um, on a daily, or they get them to be social by doing that. Um, When I worked in the school system long time ago, I actually did a group, an actual true group therapy, um, which is unusual. It was in a high school and it was really unusual. Um, And, the high school or the school systems don't have the same. Unfortunately, when you do group therapy out in the world, like in my private practice, if I have a group of people come in, I do group therapy. It's all under the the um, protection of HIPAA mm-hmm. in a way that's right. It, it's different in school systems because you're supposed to have that and all those things, but it doesn't quite. In, It doesn't quite work that way and kids and kids, you know, when you're doing that in a school system, a lot of kids won't come because they don't want other people to see you that they're coming to you. They don't want to see that you're, they don't want to see themselves in a group. They don't want to have anyone identify. So, um,
1: it requires a vulnerability kids yeah. are going to give. So
0: yeah. elementary schools and middle schools, they typically work really well because the kids don't have quite as much of the stigma at that point. They do, but not quite as much. But as you get closer to the high school years, they still have the group therapy pieces, but it's not quite the same because you don't have you have much more reluctance for kids to come just because they don't want to be um, picked at. And, and you can see that coming up through like elementary kids will jump at the chance to go to lunch bunch and do all that kind of stuff and socialize for the most part. And then you, as you get older and the social stigma comes around about it, it becomes harder, but it's, it's, I think it's, I think, I think that all schools um, should, from the beginning, Teach like good mindfulness based techniques, good behavioral strategies. I think that should be integrated into the teaching curriculum yeah. um, that like, you know, we've got good research on a couple schools or probably more now, but definitely at least a dozen schools in this country that, you know, teach um, meditate, like meditative state just to relax oneself in the morning. They do exercise. They make the kids, you know, not just for recess, but they actually get them up and move them like the body has to move. Yeah. They remind them of water breaks like they're much more holistic but that's not a that's not a, a a countrywide standard and i wish that there was more of that because i think kids spend so much time at school more than they do at home especially when they have parents that are working and the parents don't have a lot of time to be able to do those pieces i think what's a better way to you have 8 10 hours in a school system where you could build that right in especially when you have kids that come early for like breakfast and mm-hmm. then they have these other things and then they can integrate it in but They haven't done that yet, but it'd be wonderful if they could do all of that.
1: I used to be married to an educator. I think I used to be married to an educator. I'm sorry. I I sped education, educator, actually. And this is not about her, but they should have group therapy for the educators in many cases.
0: Yeah. um,
1: I don't know if this skill set, if there's a specific skill set to do this type of therapy in a school situation.
0: Well, so it's interesting because special, special ed, when mm-hmm. you say sped, special ed educators, if they're at a master's level are different level than a PhD level, special educator in terms of their knowledge base of what they know and, and how to do behavioral man- Like they have different skill sets. They yes. taught, they have, they, they're taught similar theories. They're taught like, well, they're taught the same theories, but more in depth as you get into, into greater, higher degrees. Um, and because so two things that you said there, like if, you know, the person needs to have someone else to get education from and also a place to talk about it. Um, But I think that there should be, and there, and there is, there is special, there's, there's built in continuing ed credits that they, everybody supposedly has to take. I mean, I certainly have to take them. So I'm imagining that everyone has to, because you have to get relicensed. you know, you have to have your license up every so many years. Um, But I think that for special educators, just in my experience is that, They get very much wed to the system that they're in, unfortunately, and then they get a lot of biases. And I hate to say it generalized like that, but I I will say it generalized that there's a lot of biases that come with kind of, they they forget a lot of times instead of just staying independent of other people's thoughts and other people's opinions and the judgments on the kids and remembering where their true roots are of like, okay, how to see this kid for who they are and how to individually help them and do all those things. They instead get sort of... stuck in the system group think which is what happens to the teachers as well right and then, that's an
1: administrative thing because yeah. that's the way schools work right it, it, often the pressure comes down from the administration exactly. to follow certain protocols that
0: right and yeah. so then it turns into that and it ends up always turning into that and i say always on purpose always turns into that um old school way of doing things that then so antiquated and how to see and teach and do and, and keep people up to speed so that you lose sight of You know, someone was telling me yesterday about um, a a good friend of mine was telling me about how in her school system, there's two new people that are working in her school system and they're, they're good authority figures in terms of role modeling. And that one of them was walking down the hall and she was floored by it that. And he, he said out loud because the kid was not supposed to be out of class. And so he yelled down the hall, like with an ear, like, I'm going to murder you (laughs) So she was like, okay, you know, she's, she's like, she's very cool laid back, but she's like, he got away with saying that, Yeah. but if a kid had said that
1: yep.
0: it would have been on the news, it would have been game on. And why is it, you know, so, because people forget and they want to be friends with the kid. So they're joking, like, I'm going to murder you, go back to class. Right. So yeah, it's joking, but right. If the kid had said it. Yep. it would have been a different thing. And it's, so it's that I want to be your friend. I, it's a, it's a problem because it gets into the system thing again. of like, I want the kid to like me to come to me. So he thinks I'm funny and that's how we're going to bond. And then, you know, and there we are yep. creating the problem again, that eventually someone will say, well, they're behaviorally off. So they need to be medicated. Well, maybe if you weren't modeling that.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, so it's, so we've, we've kind of, you know, gone and not a full circle we've gone like over this arc and around circles but they're all integrated into i think the first thing for the takeaway is making sure that any person is if you're responsible for a child teaching them how to be a well-oiled machine if you're an adult and you're not feeling well look at your machine your body your mind and see what you know are all systems talking to each other Mm -hmm. all systems go um probably not. Um, and before you start putting in something to the system to make it better, you really need to diagnose the system first in a really thorough way so that you make sure you're actually giving the system what it needs, not just throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping it sticks and seeing how that goes. Um, so that's my takeaway from everything I said today. How does that sound? I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and while we were here, Rocky found it very boring and fell asleep on the mouse. And he he's not bored. He's just drooling. sleeping. He's a pup. He's what?
1: He's not sleeping. He's a I mean, he's not bored. He's a pup. He's sleeping.
0: He's actually twitching. <laughs> he's twitching. He had a really rough night. He barked like for a good hour and a half when I put him in his crate. He was not happy. Oh god. Because he would rather be running around chasing the cats. Yep. Okay. So I I would be remiss because I have to talk about this. My little friend, yes, Lou, yes. So first of all, I'm very excited because I'm at four thousand dollars of the ten that I that I have to reach for my um, fundraising for my New England Patriots Foundation. Yes, uh, for the Boston Marathon, 127th running, my ninth running of it. Um, I am in full gear. There's about ten weeks left of training before the actual big day on April 17th. Um, somewhere along the line, I will hope that you will put my link to my fundraising page up. If you, if you give a hundred dollars, um, uh, I only have a hundred chances. If you give a hundred dollars per chance, um, you can win only one person can, can win $1,500 cash, or you can choose to have me get you two round trip tickets to anywhere you want to up to $1,500. Um, and also my running partner in crime, Amy, Uh, who's been on the show before, Amy Salant, she and I, she, we are having um, a huge fundraiser this weekend here locally. So if you're here locally and she's been running an ad on, I think it's on this station, but she's been running an ad. um, But this weekend, if you're in Methuen in Lawrence area or Andover in the Merrimack Valley, Uh, you, anyone can come on down from six to 10 PM on Saturday night. It's going to be a nice day. No snow, no ice. Um, we're having a nice fundraiser at Sal's. It's buffet dinner with a musical bingo with one of the funniest DJ musical bingo people I've ever met. He's awesome. And he's a riot. And, um, we have some really great, uh, we have a 50-50, obviously, raffle. We've got a ton of really cool prize um, giveaway things and silent auction items. And and Amy's actually auctioning off her husband is for she? a date. So wow. I think that will be well worth it. And, I, and John has offered that he is not auctioning off himself because he feels that that would be not good for him. <laughs> I might feel the same way, but he is going to auction off because he's a fantastic chef. He's going to auction off um, his services to do a three to four course meal of someone's choice for up to four people at their home. Um, So and we have a whole bunch of other really cool. We have uh, VIP club seating at the um, Ottawa Senators game with the Bruins uh, um, that's going up live um, for the auction. Uh, I have a Carol Baskin basket of things with a signed photo and autograph of her that's going up uh, for live auction. And then there's tons of tons of other silent item things that are really cool. Um, I can't even name them. We've got so many. But but if you just want to come out for a pre Super Bowl or Valentine's Day night, that's pretty inexpensive and fun. It's $75 a person. And you can sign up on the links on my site right here. And uh, anybody and all are welcome. And Lou, I hope to see you there. I won't bank on it, but I hope to see you there. (laughs)
1: I'm just gonna decide how this how this fundraising is how going how I'm gonna divide the fundraising you.
0: Oh, okay. Because the the raffle for
1: fifteen hundred dollars in travel seems pretty nice too.
0: Well, we can talk about it off air. Yeah. Okay, you guys. Well, anyway, so have a fantastic week, and next week I'll see you. And it will be post Valentine's Day. So everyone have a lovely Super Bowl. Go whoever you want <laughs> it should be a great game go whoever yeah um i think i'm going for kansas city who are you going for
1: i i kind of like the Chiefs. i don't want either to win but i kind of like the chiefs i okay. like patrick mahomes so. i do too yeah
0: so so okay so we're on the same team yeah um so everyone go out and have a good time and um i don't want be- those
1: philadelphia people to have any fun
0: whoever's gonna win is gonna just be great whatever it's just gonna be fun um have a great time have a really safe night and have a really beautiful wonderful valentine's day and don't go spend a hundred dollars on roses wait till next the week after (laughs) (laughs) all right you guys have a wonderful week i'll talk to you then bye